Happy New Year! This is Dropout Nation. I'm Sean Biddle. Today on the Dropout Nation podcast, a call to revolutionize American public education. Charting the course in 2013 to build systems fit for our children. As we head into this new year, it is easy to think back to the successes achieved and the challenges that arose in transforming American public education this year. It is easier to still to think about the fracases and debates that have gone on this past year and will remain ongoing into 2013. But as we embark on this new year, it is important to keep our eyes and minds on the most important mission we have as caregivers and caring adults building brighter futures for every child, no matter who they are or where they live. The good news is that fewer young men and women are dropping out into poverty and prison, but still, 1.1 million kids entering high school this school year, 125 kids every hour will drop out before graduation into economic and social despair. The good news is that efforts such as Common Core Standards, Expanding School Choice, offer opportunities to provide all of our children with strong, comprehensive college preparatory curricula. Still, most of our kids are still not receiving the high-quality learning that they need to succeed as future leaders. Some 217,432 fewer sixth graders are functionally illiterate now than a decade ago. And that is a wonderful thing. At the same time, we still have 2.2 million kids entering middle school who are either illiterate or barely reading at grade level. Young men and women who are unlikely to succeed in an increasingly knowledge-based economy. And then there are the dropout factories and failure mills, the special ed ghettos and restrictions on opportunities for high-quality teaching and curricula. The alternative ed ghettos, the overuse of suspension and expulsion, the failed school leaders, the lagger teachers, and those who aid and abet their educational malpractice. And then you have the impoverished mindsets that say poverty is destiny, that systemic reform is unacceptable, that kids are unmotivated, that families are unwilling to actually do well for their kids, and that we should continue to condemn our children to the worst American public education offers, if only to preserve their own ideology and make them keep their nice, comfortable careers and benefits. As reformers, we know this is unacceptable. We know that all children can learn. We know that families can make smart decisions for their kids if they're provided high-quality data. We know that these mothers and fathers want the best for their kids and are willing to do the work if they can get past a system that continues to neglect and ignore and treat them as nuisances. We know that good and great teachers and strong, powerful school leaders can make wonderful things happen for our kids. We know that choice and parent power are critical to providing our kids with successful lives. And that we know that the obstacles are not some unknown and unmeasurable matters that are unsolvable, but matters that can be addressed and can be solved. 
and at the very least make lives better for our kids. Most importantly, we know this, that it is our moral duty as men and women to continue to bend the arc of American history toward progress by transforming the schools at the center of the lives of all of our children. James Meredith, whose successful effort to integrate the University of Mississippi 50 years ago helped end Jim Crow segregation and bring, and bring black America into the mainstream, declared in his recent book that the fate of nations today and into the future will be decided by the degree to which those nations practice what they preach. For America, this is especially important because we have always argued that we are the most moral of nations, a city upon a hill endowed by our Creator to be, to be examples for the world. But we cannot be those examples and we cannot continue to hold our rightful place as leaders in the world unless we as a nation reach closer to, our, to what Meredith calls our ideal of human equality and justice for all of our citizens, and this especially includes our young children, who are the kids of today, but will become the adults of tomorrow. So as reformers, we have a challenge, but we also have opportunity. And this means we must fight ever harder to replace superclusters of failure that harm the futures of our children and harm our country, and replace them with cultures of genius in which the potential of every child is nourished and nurtured. For all of us, this means speaking honestly, even stridently, about the underlying systemic issues behind our nation's education crisis. It includes continuing to push for a myriad of solutions and developing new solutions to provide all of our kids with high-quality education. It involves rallying and empowering the families and communities, including the 51 million single-family households, grandparent-led families, and immigrant households who want better lives for their kids. And it will mean taking strong advocacy and using strong rhetoric, including confronting traditionalists who want to not confront the bankruptcy of their ideas and force them to confront the realities of the failures of 150 years. At the same time, the school reform movement must have honest conversations within about how to pursue its goals. The good news is that unlike traditionalists who are too willing to indulge each other's intellectualism, reformers are willing to have tough conversations, yet at times, especially this year, especially with the Obama waivers of a No Child Left Behind Act, far too many reformers have been willing to go along with ideas even when they compromise values and compromise the values of this movement. As I always say, conflict is healthy. It crystallizes, clarifies, reveals, humbles, and creates solutions that help all of our children succeed. And ultimately, we need more conflict within, within our own ranks as well as with traditionalists to help our kids. 
and as reformers who are on different sides on other issues, as Democrats and Republicans, Libertarians and Progressives, we must also confront our allies within our parties and other movements whose views aid and abet educational failure. As Tim Chaffee, a Christian writer, once wrote, we can only be united if we're united and unified in truth. And you have to sometimes force your allies to face the truth and face reality. And then, and finally, we must emulate those leaders, activists, and innovators of past and present who have fought hard to change the world. We need more Thomas Paines. We need more Thomas Jeffersons. We need more Ida B. Wells's, more James Merediths, more Winston Churchills, and of course we have the leaders of today, more Joel Kleins, more Tony Bennett's, more Michelle Rees, more John Taylor Gattos, more Jaime Escalantes, more Jason Camresses, more of great men and women out there who are doing the best for our children. We must build and build ourselves up and then also means bring in new voices to help them and bring them in and bring these impromptu leaders into the ranks so that we can transform American public education let us take this time this new year to once again reaffirm our commitment to revolutionize American public education, to embrace John Taylor Gatto's statement that we must treat all of our children as geniuses and not treat our kids as if they're worthless. We must ultimately remember that it is no more time for an evolution in American public education. We need a revolution in American public education so that every child gets the education and ultimately the ability to write their own stories as they see fit. Listen to the Dropout Nation podcast every Sunday. Also, read Dropout Nation every day for your news and commentary on the reform of American public education. And read my columns in the American Spectator and elsewhere. This is Dropout Nation. I'm Rashawn Biddle. You have a great night.